Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we have eye-opening conversations with all types of fascinating tango professionals. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to all you first-time and newer listeners. Really glad you're here. If you've been a fan for a while and would like to help keep the podcast going, you can make a secure donation through PayPal or join my podcast page on Subscribestar. Links are in the description. Thanks for your support. My guest today is quite a world traveler. She has a strong background in modern dance, contact improv, blues, and swing, and she's also a classically trained singer. In 2006, she fell in love with Argentine tango. She was so taken in by tango that she spent several years in Buenos Aires studying the dance and developing her tango singing skills as well. She has taught and performed all over the world and is currently based in California in the Bay Area. And with me now is Mira Barakat. Mira, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Joe. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, these days, uh, Mira, how are you keeping busy with tango? Well, it's interesting times being in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic. Um, it's obviously affecting people all over the world in so many ways and us tango teachers and organizers among them. I just got back from Argentina a couple weeks ago and mm -hmm. since then it's been a big decline in my teaching. We're in shelter in place in California like many states and yeah. so I haven't been having any private or group classes. I've been teaching a little bit on Zoom, mm -hmm. which is new for me. So the silver lining is getting to learn a new skill, a new teaching skill. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously not the same as teaching in person. You can't dance with someone, you can't touch someone. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to focus on a couple things. One of them, the personal work on technique and posture. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of really good work that can be done that we're often too focused on our partnering skills. Yeah. So we don't work on our personal dance. And another thing is the music. We can still listen to and hear and experience the music. And so the classes I've been teaching, a big focus has been on how do we respond to Di Sarli versus Darienzo versus mm -hmm. Pugliese. And we can explore the movement and the technique for those orchestras in a more general way rather than doing specific steps and sequences. I see. Yeah, Zoom and... Uh... Yeah, doing these online classes. So yeah, it's uh, like you said, a new skill we have to we have to get used to. It's a new world, but I want to believe that there will be a time when we can come back together and dance and appreciate that human contact all the more. Right. So in the meantime, what can we focus on? What other skills can we learn? How can we stay connected? Absolutely. Yeah, so you yourself, you've got an extensive background in a variety of, of dance genres, and you're also a classically trained singer. So how did you fall in love with tango? <laughs> yeah, I think we all have our stories of how we fell in love, whether it was suddenly or gradually. Mm -hmm. So that's right. I had been studying music for many years, and then in high school I got involved in modern dance and then in college in in social dancing I started out as a swing dancer and got into blues and fusion mm -hmm. and also contact improvisation and all of that was my hobby it was something that I was enjoying and dancing a lot but not really taking very seriously I wasn't doing very many private classes or really going very deep 
I was really focused on becoming an opera singer at the time. And then one summer I was home in California for the summer and a friend from blues dance said, I've discovered Argentine tango, you have to try. <laughs> and I had tried other Latin dances like salsa and I could never get the hip movement mm. and I didn't know anything about tango, I assumed it was similar. And so I kind of rolled my eyes and said, well, I don't think I'll like it, but you know, I'll try. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it just makes me laugh remembering this. Right. So, yeah. so I went to a, a Praktilonga here in Berkeley, California, that I later realized has quite a nice level, though it's relaxed. Um, and on the sidewalk, he taught me, project your leg, transfer your weight, collect your feet. Mm. So that's what I knew. But I could kind of follow because I'd been doing swing and whatnot. Yeah. So I went in and and everyone was like, do you know how to do outros? And I'm like, no. Do you know the cross? No. Do you know how to walk? No. I don't know anything. But people asked me to dance. Mm -hmm. I was saying thank you after every song. I didn't know better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even as I was you know, making a disaster of things, I felt something and I immediately knew. I just knew that I wanted it. I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. I felt something in the connection that just goes towards your partner as opposed to swing or blues that are sort of going away from your partner. I felt that energetic connection and it was like, wow, what is that? I want to learn that for real. And then it's very funny. I think it's very ironic because the second thought I had right after that was it's such a shame that they dance this beautiful dance to such terrible music. <laughs> I don't know what the DJ was playing. It was probably some scratchy old recording, but I just didn't understand the music and I felt the connection in the movement, but not the music. And it's so ironic now because I love the music yeah. and I sing the music and I'm just so connected to that as well. But at the time, I, I didn't know. I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did you start taking more formal classes after that? So I was going to school in Oberlin, Ohio at mm. the Music Conservatory and the Liberal Arts College there. And um, I was super bummed because I had just fallen in love with tango, but there wasn't any tango that I knew of in Oberlin. So I thought I was going to have to wait a year till the following summer to start. And I was super lucky because I went back to Oberlin that fall semester and mm -hmm. for the very first time ever a community teacher was starting like an extra credit class mm. at Oberlin for the first time. Okay. So I went right up to him and I said I want to learn this can I be in your class and there was a lot of demand not everyone made it into the class but I'm so thankful that I did and it was you know it was very slow progress at the beginning but mm -hmm. that was my that was my start. My first teacher was Timmy Tango ah, in yeah. in Ohio there, and I'm I'm very grateful for that mm -hmm. beginning. Yeah. Was this a tango dancing or tango music class? This was tango dancing. So okay. it was a bunch of college students. Nice. And he had it going for maybe I don't know how several years. I'm grateful because he really focused on the basics, on the connection on basic elements, the walking, the technique. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a great place for me to start. Nice. Do you remember your very first class? Oh, I can't say I can remember the, you know, singular first class, but certainly that first few weeks, that first semester, mm -hmm. I remember he had a starting and closed embrace 
Um, I had done dancing before, so I was, you know, a little bit more comfortable. But now I'm like, wow, good for you, Timmy. You got all these college <laughs> students, you know, to feel comfortable and go there. But mm -hmm. he was just, he said, this is how tango is. This mm -hmm. is how we do it. And, and we did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, close embrace. I remember I used to have such personal space issues when I was starting out with tango. So <laughs> I was one of those awkward close embrace people. But yeah, yeah got over it. you know, being in Argentina, you're you see how they have just so much more closeness. You say hello with a kiss on the cheek. And and in our culture, we're not used to that with people we don't know or already have an intimate friendship with. Right. right. So it is. And now as a teacher, I struggle with that sometimes of you know, really wanting to start out right away in closed embrace versus not wanting to, you know, quote unquote, scare people off or mm. push them too much. Right. Especially with, you know, more sensitive groups of people. Or, mm. So it's it's a balancing act for sure. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, it's really useful to or very helpful to be around people who are really more comfortable with with being close. I remember I was very lucky in one class. Uh, there were several ladies from Italy who were in that class, and they were just very, oh yeah, come over here. And it, they made it very, they made it very easy. So I was. Yeah, I definitely there. think there's like a way that when the community, when a majority of the community is comfortable and can sort of mm -hmm. encourage each other. Yeah. yeah. That's very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, so in, earlier in your uh, tango journey, Mira, what were some bad tango habits you used to have, and how did you get over them? Oh, gosh. That's a great question. So at some point after I, you know, finished college at Oberlin, shortly after I moved to Buenos Aires because I had always wanted to live abroad and I thought it was the moment. I knew I could dance tango there. And I danced a ton. I learned a ton. I experienced the culture and learned Spanish, and it really laid a groundwork for me. Mm -hmm. But I got a lot of bad habits, actually. I was not um, necessarily developing the core and the stability that I needed to. And I was just, you know, moving around and expressing myself and having a lot of fun and a little bit out of control, wow. I realized later. And so it's, there's sometimes sort of glass ceilings that I felt I was getting better and, you know, having more fun and more connection. Mm -hmm. But then at some point to sort of make the jump to the next level, I realized with some feedback from a teacher at some point that I needed to go back and mm -hmm. take things apart. And I then started working much more simply on posture and stability and basic elements, seeing working on my own, seeing that I could use my base, create the base, push from the floor and arrive without mm. having any sort of repercussion in the stability. And it was it was kind of painful because I considered myself a good dancer and mm -hmm. suddenly I was taking everything apart. And um, it took a while, but it really, it did change my dancing so that then I could go back to a fuller dance, but having groundedness, stability that let it really be more connected ultimately. Yeah. 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 That stability you mentioned, it's, I think a lot of people out there can, can identify with what you just said, just really going back and breaking it down and really feeling that. And it, and in the, in the long run, it really does help your, help your dancing. At the time I thought I was going backward. I thought, oh, I did something wrong. I'm not a good dancer. That's why I have to do this. 
And now I think it's really part of the process. So many levels, it mm -hmm. becomes maybe more and more subtle, but we have to reevaluate and go deeper and find new ways to do what we already know. And mm -hmm. that's part of what Tango opens and becomes more and more subtle. I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing in any way that that happened. It was just sort of the first time was more shocking. And now <laughs> when that comes up, I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do a back step. Okay, let's look at this. Um, and it just keeps getting deeper and richer every time one does that reevaluation process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. You're not going backwards. It's more of a like a process of, process of fine tuning. That's what it it feels like. Yeah, so Mira, as you, as you know, many tango students out there are perfectionists. And, you know, this has good sides, of course. You know, there's, there's that discipline side to it. But then there are also some bad sides because they sort of get hung up on, uh, on a lot of on the details. So when you work with students who are uh, perfectionists, how do you help them just let go a little bit more to, to kind of feel more of that flow instead of trying to control every little movement? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm myself also a perfectionist, so I've <laughs> been working with myself on that one too. One thing that I can see that I've learned over time is just patience. It takes time, and there really is no destination. Tango keeps opening up, and the more one learns, the more one learns that we don't know. And so it really is just about enjoying where one is and enjoying the path it sounds maybe cliche to say that it's true about life as well i suppose sure, yeah. but just to to be patient with oneself to be there and also to trust in tango that's one thing i've learned is and i'm just so grateful to the way it's opened this path for me mm -hmm. it really has taught me along the way what i need to know both about the technique and the movement and on a more emotional plane, it's opened things up. And there's no telling what the timing is, but I think it ends up being the right timing for each person's process. Mm -hmm. And so it's just keep showing up, be patient, be open, and trust that the path will keep being rich. Yeah. yeah. And I think about that now with all of us sheltering in place mm -hmm. and those of us that love tango and want to stay connected of just trusting we can learn the orchestras, we can work on our solo technique. This is part of it. It's it's a change, but it's not it's not an ending. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Samira, how did you start teaching? So when I moved away from Buenos Aires after living there for about two years, I moved to New Zealand of all places. And I ended up living for most of that year in Wellington, okay. which is a wonderful, wonderful city. And the tango community there was very small, obviously, mm -hmm. especially compared to Buenos Aires. And so they were very interested that I had just come from Buenos Aires. I didn't consider myself a tango teacher, and it was not my goal to become a tango teacher. <laughs> that just sort of happened to me along the way. Mm. Um, but they were very interested. Oh, you've just come from Buenos Aires. You were living there. What can you share with us? So I started giving classes with another teacher in the community there and felt really fortunate that it was very friendly and really a wonderful place to try on teaching. I also got some opportunities to perform 
through the Argentine Embassy in New Zealand, both in New Zealand and also they took us on tour on a diplomatic mission to Samoa. Wow. And we performed in an arts festival, South Pacific Arts Festival plus Argentine Tango in Samoa, which was just quite an experience. <laughs> yeah, I was very lucky and really grateful mm -hmm. for that opportunity because in a bigger community that might not have been possible. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved back to California several years later, I started teaching here locally. Nice, nice. Yeah, I bet those years way back when you first started tango, someone told you, yeah, you're going to be performing this in Samoa someday. <laughs> yeah, I would have rolled my eyes and said, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're quite the world traveler. Now, are you originally from California? I am, yeah. Okay. The Bay Area. Nice, nice. Yeah, for a couple of years, I, I used to live in Pleasanton. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so my... Uh, my grandmother used to live in Oakland, and uh, my aunt lives in El Cerrito. So yeah, I'm pretty. Uh, it's been a while since I've been to the Bay Area, but it's I miss the weather, <laughs> definitely. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, all this time, were you singing tango as well, or developing those that skill in tandem with with the teaching and the dancing? Yes, the dancing definitely started first. But when I moved to Buenos Aires, I was no longer singing opera. Mm -hmm. And I was hearing all of this tango music and kind of like, huh, I wonder what singing tango would be like. Mm -hmm. So I had different teachers and I started training while in Buenos Aires. And that was really, I think, invaluable. There's no way I could have gained the skills I did with the singing without having had that experience there with the dance as well, obviously, but the musical part, um, there, it's quite accessible. There's sort of like, they call them peñas. They're sort of open mic nights for okay. tango. And so I would just go out and like, there would be a guitarist or a small group of musicians and it's totally improvised. You just get up and it was sort of trial by fire. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was terrible in the beginning. I sort of went through a cathartic, screaming as much as I could phase and then slowly <laughs> refined it and sort of found mm. my voice. And just the past year, I recorded an album in Buenos Aires with some fantastic guitarists. So that's been sort of the, the most recent capstone of that project or of that process. Nice. Nice. What was the first song that you tried singing? Do you remember? I think it was Malena, or that was certainly one of the first ones. Mm -hmm. It's just a wonderful song, and because of that, it's quite oversung, but it's it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I hear people all over South America, whether they're into tango or not, they just they know that song very well. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Great. I still love to sing it. Someone at some point told me, you know, you should sing that one less because everyone sang it at some point. <laughs> and I heated that and stopped singing it so much when I was going out and performing. Mm -hmm. But when I get a chance to, it's still, it's still a keeper. Yeah. So you did try singing before you were studying it deeply. You just gave it a shot. You mean the tango singing? Yes. Yes. Um, I kind of started studying it and mm -hmm. performing at the same time, performing nice. very casually, you know, okay. at these open mic nights. And mm -hmm. then slowly while I was living there, I got invited to sort of like a curated night where they invited people and not anyone could sing. And then a few shows in a theater, Taconiando, I performed there once. Okay. 
And then when I moved away, you know, collaborating with local musicians wherever I was. And now in the Bay Area, I have a duo with a guitarist, Scott O'Day, that we perform both more concert style for listening in house concerts or bars. And also we have danceable sets that we play at milongas with sort of an intimate feeling. So that's been really wonderful to have a steady musician here in my home community to Mm. develop that with. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So while you're exploring uh, tango singing, what were some eye-opening moments for you that really helped you understand the essence of of singing tango songs? Hmm. One thing that I've learned from my most recent coach, Ariel Varnerin, he's a wonderful, wonderful singer, quite known in Buenos Aires. I had been, you know, we all experience the drama of tango, how it's so emotional and so strong. Mm-hmm. And I had been really going for that in my singing. I want to be expressive. I want to give the drama. And and he pulled me way back. He said, hold it back. Give 10%, give 10% throughout the whole song. Wait, wait, wait. And then at the end, go for it. Go for the ending. And of course, there's, you know, some gradations and phrasing and all of this throughout. Mm -hmm. But this really changed how I sing and it made it much, much more approachable. It's like if I'm yelling at someone the whole time, you stop listening. You don't want to listen to that person. But if I speak gently and subtly and then I have an emphasis, then that emphasis really comes out and makes an effect. So it allowed me a much bigger range of dynamics Mm -hmm. and expressions and made it much more approachable and much more sensitive in its delivery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, it sounds to me that I don't don't sing myself, but I I am a dancer. So it sounds like there seems to be a a pretty nice parallel between dancing and and singing. Um, Kind of like what you said about not always belting out. I always, it's kind of seems like when you talk to a, when you're teaching a leader, you don't have to do everything that you know in the course of the song. Just. Absolutely. I think that's a great parallel that you've drawn there. For me, the dancing too, kind of often in our processes as dancers, as we learn more, it goes from the big movements and the big, I want to learn to, you know, take these steps and move quickly to then we realize that it's, it's much more subtle and it's this subtle connection and energy that we share and develop. And now I both lead and follow. So when I'm in a leader role, I think along similar lines of the singing of developing that connection, growing it, testing things out, simple movements. And maybe in that last section of the song, when it builds in the, intensity maybe then the hero with some sakalas Mm. enters Mm -hmm. and that again to me has so much more effect after the simplicity we go oh wow look at that 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 happened that worked whereas if we're doing those movements the whole time it becomes a little bit monotonous yeah yeah and i tell my students that too like first two songs of the tanda just check it out stay simple and then then grow, then try your element. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think those moves, when they're approached in that way, can be much more satisfying and more connected. Yeah. Yeah, you just add that little bit of spice. Just be very judicious with it. 
And of course, nothing's black and white. It's not mm. like any of these mm -hmm. things are always true. There's certainly tandas and partners that might inspire another sort of approach that would be very connected. But it's about finding which paths tend to lead us to more connected and more satisfying expressions of the dance or of the music, mm -hmm. and then being open and flexible when something else is happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So singing, you know, we, we as dancers or as tango fans, you know, we definitely appreciate live music and uh, I guess the final product of all the practice that comes through with that the uh, musicians go through. But a lot of things that we're not really privy to is, uh, is all the work and all of the, uh, I guess, the creative process that goes on. I guess hopefully when all of this is over, when this pandemic is finally done, when you're going to get back into it, what are some uh, new ideas that you have? Well, that's actually one of my shelter-in-place projects that I'm excited about, is learning a whole new repertoire with Scott. We've had a repertoire that we spent a lot of time investing in, put together, and we've been using it and, you know, varying in and out different songs or tandas, but we kind of have a group of maybe 20 songs that we've been using for the past couple years, mm -hmm. and it's fantastic, and we're ready for something new, but during our daily busy lives, it's been really hard to find the time to develop that material. So now that we're a bit on pause, I'm really excited. One of the things that I'm particularly excited about is learning contemporary tangos. So tangos written in the past few years by living composers. There's some great repertoire out there and it's a lot of it, the repertoire that most appeals to me really has what I feel is a like traditional tango soul, has a lot of tradition and a lot of tango. Mm -hmm. And it has a new edge, the lyrics are updated we haven't heard it before. It just has slightly different harmonies. Um, so I find it really compelling. A lot of it is beautiful and very danceable. We have a tanda that we've been using by the composer Tape Rubin, mm -hmm. and he has wonderful music, and there's other great stuff out there. So that's one of the things I'm really excited about exploring. It takes a lot of time for me to learn the repertoire get the Spanish just the way I want it, mm -hmm. and then meet with Scott. It's new music for him, too. It's not the tunes that we've been hearing every night at the Milongas. Some of these I've never heard before, so it takes a little bit more research. Mm -hmm. But it's really exciting. Um, and I'm, you know, some of those composers are friends or friends of friends, so I'm really excited to bring that music to a new audience. Nice, nice. Yeah, normally, what's your practice routine like for singing? For singing? Um, I do some sort of technical warm-ups, mostly focused around the breath, and then I will work on the repertoire. So if I'm learning new repertoire, it's a lot of repetition, both speaking the words mm -hmm. and putting the words with the tunes until it can just flow. And then it's looking at the expression. In Spanish, they call it fraseo which means we don't just sing the way it's written on the page. Like coming from a classical background, we're trying to replicate the score with as much expression and you know, beauty as possible, but you wouldn't change the length of a note or a melody. And in tango, we have a lot more liberty for that sort of choice and expression. Mm -hmm. So I'll try a phrase and putting the emphasis on each syllable or each word to see what are my options. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And sometimes I'll choose, okay, this is the way that I like best. I'm going to try to always do it this way. And sometimes I practice several different versions to sort of have them in my back pocket so that when I'm performing, I have some options that I might choose spontaneously. Nice. Nice. Yeah. In the past, while you've been practicing a particular song, have you ever started off thinking that it was going to go one way? And then when you, you know, went through it, it, it just sort of took a completely different turn than you expected? Yeah. And especially with this new music that I haven't heard before, it's really a discovery process of what does this tango have in store and how do I connect for it, connect with it? Because the way other people interpret it might not work in my voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. I love the, uh, the creative process. It's really, it's really exciting. Yeah. Now, go ahead. Oh, just one thing I thought sure. that is fun as a singer and also a dancer mm -hmm. when I'm dancing and DJs play songs that I sing, I really enjoy it. I just have an even deeper connection to that mm -hmm. song because of the study I've put into it and the way I've felt the emotional expression of the lyrics. And so some of my greatest moments dancing are to songs that I also sing. And it's just like I can really inhabit that song. Yeah. Which then, of course, brings back the lesson of how important it is to familiarize ourselves with the music and the lyrics and mm -hmm. all of that culture that it aids our emotional understanding of the dance and mm -hmm. the ability to feel that within ourselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so on the dancing front, Mira, is there, over the last few years or, or months, is there something new that you've discovered in tango that's interested you? Yeah, there's always always something new that's one thing that's wonderful about tango yeah so recently my process has been more and more about the the subtleties of the posture mm -hmm. and how that connects in the embrace yeah about the position of the hips and the engagement in the center and i think that was something i couldn't really approach previously in my process because I needed, again, that stability and sort of for the base legs pushing floor to center for that connection to be really, really solid. Mm -hmm. And then being able to engage the center more almost in a, it's hard to explain, but like moving away to counter juxtapose with the embrace moving forward into the partner and strengthening that more and more has opened up um, more possibilities in my dancing, in my connection to my partner. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, that's like, like you said, wonderful thing about the dance is that you can, there's always, always something new to discover regardless of how long you've been, you've been dancing. You've worked with so many students all over the world. When it comes to helping tango students improve, is there a particular technique or step or perhaps mindset that you find yourself having to address over and over again? Hmm. I mean, it really varies from community to community, but overall, I think people really resonate with a very supportive approach. Mm -hmm. I love teaching beginners. I love teaching people who are quite fresh and open mm -hmm. and going into the technique, going into the posture when people are willing to do that sort of work from the beginning. I think it can help lay a stable foundation 
Um, but yeah, just really supporting people where they're at mm -hmm. and giving them that safety to feel okay to make a mistake or to try and just be okay where yeah. they are. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that aspect of teaching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like we like you said before, just making the mistakes that is the process of learning. Because, yeah, because like like you, I I am also a perfectionist in the beginning. It was just I was just so deathly afraid of making mistakes. But yeah, that's that's definitely part of the process. Yeah, and I think that's even more challenging at the beginning, typically for leaders or people who are learning leading right. as their primary role at the beginning because they feel this responsibility. <laughs> Yeah. And it's a real thing. And mm -hmm. so strategizing with leaders about what they feel comfortable with and how they can use that. I think there's a lot of improvisation that can be done with very simple elements that leaders can feel comfortable with. And so trying to find a pathway in that way rather than, oh my gosh, I have to master all the steps before I can give my partner a satisfying dance. That's setting a leader up for a really challenging situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Good, good. Well, Mira, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, so where do we find out more about you online? So I have a website, which is mirabarakat.com, M-I-R-A-B-A-R-A-K-A-T.com. Mm -hmm. And that has information on my teaching. It also has a link to my singing album, which is available online as well. Nice. And it also has a link to BA Tango Evolution, which are the tango retreats that I host mm -hmm. in Buenos Aires. That's obviously not on the forefront of upcoming plans with the traveling mm -hmm. situation as it is right now. Right. But that's something I've been doing for the past five years or so. Nice. That have been also a really deep and rewarding experience for people from around the world. Oh, and people from anywhere can also join my Zoom classes because the silver lining of this is that we're not limited by location at the moment. Mm -hmm. So there's also information on that on my website. It would be great if anyone from around the country or the world wants to pop in and say hello. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Yeah, and I'll have those uh, websites in our show notes so people will be able to look that up once uh, once this goes online. Great. Thank you so much. I think this is just a wonderful project that you're doing, oh, sharing you. all of these tanguero and tanguera perspectives. from. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a big learning opportunity for myself as well. But it's it's nice because, you know, a lot of you, the teachers, you know, when we're teaching at a festival or in a class, usually we're sort of caught up in the theme of the class. But there's just a lot of a uh, lot of experience and a lot of uh, wisdom that a lot of the you teachers have. And it's great to have that in a, in a, in a form such as a podcast so that we can, in addition to learning dance or dancing steps in our technique, we can also have some, I guess, some of the mental non-physical parts of tango that are also quite important. Absolutely. I think it's wonderful to have that dialogue and that sharing around tango that goes beyond just the steps we learn in a class and particularly now is a great time for us to be having these conversations yeah yeah while you're all at home i can get you yeah. <laughs> so, great yeah. well mira thank you again so much for taking the time to chat with me i'm glad we we finally were able to catch up likewise thank you again yeah yeah i hope to meet you in person sometime when when uh, life 
sort of goes back to normal, hopefully That'll sooner rather than later. Yeah. I look forward to it. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, take care, Mira. Stay safe, stay healthy. And yes, uh, you yeah. too. Yeah. We'll keep in touch. Thank you so much, Joe. Nice to talk with you. Likewise. Okay, that was fun. It was great hearing about Mira's journey as a dancer and singer. We talked about a lot of stuff, but I really liked what she said about revisiting basics. After we've been dancing for some time, when a teacher or peer says it's time to go over fundamentals, it kind of stings. But as Mira pointed out, review is not the same as going backwards. It doesn't mean we missed something the first time around or that we're regressing. Going back to basics is part of the learning process. We need time and space to explore our dancing and to get experience, and we need to hit those glass ceilings or plateaus in our learning. And then when we revisit basics and start taking a closer look at all the concepts introduced to us in the beginning, we'll be able to appreciate and understand them more. And with a deeper understanding of connection, walk, posture, etc., we start to feel our tango progress to the next level or we become better prepared to do so. Another thing that stuck out to me was how Mira said that tango is not a destination. Tango keeps opening up. There are only more possibilities. And like she said, you can always be learning something new. Even if you're away from the dance floor for an extended period of time, regardless of whether or not there's a worldwide pandemic going on, you can study the music or work on your walking, for instance. Keep looking for those opportunities. So thank you again, Mira, for sharing your thoughts and for your time. And a big thank you to all your listeners for tuning in. It really means a lot that you've made time to listen to this show. If you're enjoying it, please take a quick moment to subscribe and please leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. That helps out a lot. And again, be sure to check out my online course on demystifying back cicadas. Yes, this is a step that you can do. I will show you how. Just visit HealthyTango.com to get started. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.